Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Now in the portion that Ray read, chapter 5, there are many exhortations of what is becoming saints and what is unbecoming us as saints. Now these are plain to those who have begun eyes to see and ears to hear, to plain to any blood-bought, blood-washed believer. But I wish to draw your attention to one, uh, well, some of the remarks towards the end there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. We read these words, and before I continue to look at these words, I just want to say that you know, we have husbands and wives here. Um, not everyone here is married. But very often we get discouraged by what we are every week. And I just want to exhort all of you who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to be a, a better wife, look, look to Christ. <laughs> the Lord will, will teach His people what it is to be a spouse. If you want to be a better husband here, uh, I want you to look to Christ. Uh, Look to Him. He is the the husband of His church. And uh, He will, as I've, uh, I don't know if I said this or if I heard it, but um, I'm not here to straighten out your theology. (laughs) I'm not here to straighten out your lives. I'm here to preach Christ and Him crucified. And as we look to Him, He'll... He'll straighten out your life. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll put your theology in order. And uh, that's not something I'm making up. He said, as it's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. And all who hear the Father and learn of Him, come to me. <laughs> I love that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. We read these words. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul says, speaking of this great mystery, whereby two shall be one flesh, that he speaks concerning Christ and the church. Now, to what is Paul referring to when he says this is a great mystery? Paul is referring to the great mystery of our spiritual union with the Son of God. Paul is speaking of the gospel, the union of an elect sinner and his Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ's people have been made one with their head and husband, Christ Jesus the Lord. There are three things which I wish to bring forth for your consideration this morning. From these two words we find in our text here. One flesh. I pray that we will be enabled by his spirit to consider in the light of the gospel three comforting results, three comforting accomplishments that pertain to sinners who have been made one flesh with the word made flesh. Because we are made one with his flesh, we are made one with his righteousness the righteousness he established in the flesh on the earth as a man. We are made one with his flesh through his life. Because we are made one with his flesh, we are made one with his redemption. The saving redemption he accomplished 
and the flesh through his death on the cross. We are made one with his flesh through his death. And because we are made one with his flesh, we are made one with his rest. The saving rest that comes to those who believe that his works, works of his righteousness, his redemption, were finished from the foundation of the world. And it is a great mystery, beloved. We are one flesh. We are one with our blessed Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And these are the three things we'll be looking at. One with his righteousness, one with his redemption, and one with his rest by the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just a quick remark. I heard uh, a preacher say this, and I I think it's helpful to God's people. I'm I'm here to help you. I don't want to hinder you. (laughs) One is not... um, two things side by side. Uh, it's not, not two things side by side. One is one beloved. It's a great mystery. Don't, don't think lightly of it. One with Christ. One flesh, one with His righteousness. One with His righteousness. We are saved by His doing, beloved. Beloved, great is the mystery that we are one flesh with the Son of God, united to His righteousness through His life. Through the doing of the Son of God, beloved, the Word was made flesh, and through the doing of His life as a man, we shall be saved. Well, what does that mean, made one flesh, made His righteousness? It means that God's people are saved by the righteous doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a word, we're talking about substitution. When a believer is found in Christ... They are found in the perfect life of a perfect man. Paul said on many occasions, he said, I don't want to be found in my righteousness. I want to be found in the righteousness of Christ. To put it another way, and I know that we have some visitors here, so this will be new to you. It won't be new to many of the people here. (laughs) But very often when we apply for a job, we get a police record done by the police. You'll put down your name and they'll do a, a thorough background check on you. And the police record check will come up Hey, you're A-OK. <laughs> but those who are taught of God, you know better than that, beloved. We won't pass any record check with the holiness of God. We must be found in another record, the record of our blessed Redeemer and Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be found in my record. And I trust if you're here this morning and you're trusting on Christ, you don't want to be found in your record either. We want to be found in the perfect record, the perfect righteousness of Christ alone. If a man will not be saved by Christ's righteousness alone, that man must perfectly keep the law of God to inherit eternal life. To be righteous, the law of God can look at you and declare inwardly and outwardly your thoughts and your deeds not guilty. And that can only be by the substitutionary life and righteousness of the perfect man, our Lord Jesus Christ. The law for sinners like you and me if left to ourselves, is death and condemnation. Ever looked at the law? It's a a good thing to look at the law. That is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The law, I'll just touch on a few of those commandments. Honor thy father and mother. Christ is our substitute in establishing righteousness. Our righteousness on the earth never once dishonored his parents. What about you? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Christ, as our substitute, not only kept the letter of the law, but also the spirit of it. 
He said, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. He never once looked at another person and lusted after them. What about you? Thou shalt not steal. Christ is our substitute, never once stole anything. What about you? You steal time from an employer or anything like that? I mean, the law is just an administration of death. It just cries out for our just judgment. But rejoice, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ, think of it, every one of God's requirements, perfection, really, in a word, he accomplished on our behalf. To you who believe on Christ, I'm not here preaching a lot to cause you to despair, but to, to see the righteousness of Christ. The Lord has prayed for you, beloved. He prayed to his Father for you, for those of you whom the Father has chosen. Look with me at John chapter 17. Listen to the prayer he prayed for his people. And if you're here this morning and you're believing on Christ as your only merit before God, you can rejoice with God's people here gathered here this morning. John chapter 17, verse 20. Beginning here, we read this. Neither pray I these, I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. He was talking about those who would believe on him in the, in the coming gospel. As the New Testament would be formed, the disciples would put the, the gospels together in the letters. He wrote, or he, he prayed in verse 9, I pray for them, speaking of his disciples, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for, the, for they are thine. And in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, not just the disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You're holding uh, their word in your hand right now, beloved. <laughs> and he, if you believe in the words you're holding in your hand right now, he's praying for you. He prayed for us, beloved. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I, and, <clears throat> and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I, given, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me, and, and, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will. I love that. <laughs> no other man can pray like this. Only our blessed Lord and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He opens his eyes to heaven and prays, I will. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he prays, there's no mistaking about it. He's asking his Father for exactly what he wants. The three are in agreement. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no disagreement amongst the triune God. And he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I will. This is the one who has all power in heaven and in earth. And if you're trusting in him this morning, you can rejoice. He will not fail to save sinners who trust in him alone for their salvation. <coughs> now, in this part of the 
the the prayer this 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 prayer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I recommend you read it when you get home. The whole the whole chapter seventeen. It's a blessing to read. But in the portion I read, what what does it mean? It means that according to the good pleasure of His will, we are made one with the Son of God. He prayed, "I will." It's remarkable. None of us pray like that. I trust none of us do. <laughs> Only one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed, I will. We have been made one with his righteousness, the glorious righteousness he established on the earth as a man, on behalf of his people. Our Lord speaks of it here in John chapter 17. He says, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Now this glory does not speak of his inherent righteousness as the, the God the Son which he always possessed but it rather it speaks of his glorious righteousness as a man a perfect righteousness he established on the earth in keeping the law as our substitute he established a perfect righteousness on behalf of his people this was the glory the father gave him to accomplish which he gives to his people this is the gospel Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. You almost want to call it the gospel of Isaiah. There's so much gospel here in this book. In Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13, this is the same thing our Lord said in the gospels when he he declared in John chapter 6 verse 45, as it is written in the prophets... Well, this is the prophet he was citing. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. What a blessing it is to be taught of him. And as I stand behind this pulpit and I'm preaching to you, my prayer is that the Lord will teach you. He'll take the words, his precious words, and bless them with his spirit, and he'll supernaturally give you an understanding. <laughs> it's not going to come through my eloquence or, or any kind of voca- special vocabulary I have or my volume or my intonation. <laughs> It's a spiritual thing. And speaking of this supernatural revelation that he gives to his people, he says, All thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Well, why do we have great peace, beloved? Why do we have great peace? Look at verse um, 14. In righteousness shall thou be established, for thou shalt... For thou, for the, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Verse 17, towards the end, we, we understand why it is we have great peace. It says here, Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. <laughs> His righteousness has been made ours, beloved, with our oneness through Him. <coughs> if God be pleased understand why he came to this earth to live as a man on our behalf and you'll understand that if God is pleased to bless his words in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 5 wherefore when he cometh into the world this is speaking about the, the promised Emmanuel the son of God when he cometh into the world, I, I never, there's some verses you just want to repeat over and over again. Isaiah declares in, I think it's Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born 
speaking of his humanity. He took upon flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. He was a real man. And then it goes on, a son will be given, the eternal son of God. He was given to his people as a ransom. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's it's remarkable that he would come into the world as one of us. But that is the promise of the prophets. They all declare that he would be among us, God with us, Emmanuel. Wherefore, when he cometh in the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In the, the womb of the virgin, a body was prepared for the eternal Son of God when he was made flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. And you remember Joseph, that young man, very upset about his, his betrothed, his fiancée. She was found with child and he had not touched her. And he was all troubled. But the angel came to him and said, Don't be fearful to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall. (laughs) Not going to try. He shall save his people from their sins. This is the body that is being talked about here in verse 5. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. This whole book is about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to those Pharisees, You search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. But I don't do this and do that. But he said, These are they which testify of me. And above, when he said, sacrifice and offering, verse 8, and burnt offerings, and uh, sorry, I'll start again. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That perfection is talking about our oneness with the righteousness of Christ. It is a perfect righteousness, and it is wholly acceptable to God our Father. (coughs) God is not pleased in our fleshly efforts to please Him. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, God has had no pleasure. But there is one offering, beloved, the Father is pleased with, the offering of the one in whom He is well pleased. The Father has declared from heaven. Look with me at Matthew chapter 17. If the Lord would be pleased to have this word come to you, not as the words of a man, but as the word of God, as it is in truth. There's safety in hearing it as it's recorded here. This is the Father's will. Verse 5, When he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. (laughs) Hear him. Don't hear someone that's following a false prophet. All of the sects of Christianity, the modern religion today, you have the false prophet Muhammad in Islam. Don't don't hear him. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not concerned about anybody here hearing him. But the same thing with uh, the Jehovah's false witness. They follow false prophets. The Russellites, I think they were called at one point. Seventh Day Adventists. They follow a false prophet named Ellen White. 
And it seems like such a, a plain thing to hear, but for you to believe it and receive it and hear it, it requires a supernatural revelation from above. What, what a comfort it is to read the same things in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It says here, God, who in at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. <clears throat> this is such a... This is, this is eternal life to hear the Son. It's eternal life to hear him. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. It's so vital that you hear him. Some people talk about doctrinal differences as though that they were just pet things. They're not, they're not important. It's eternal life. It is vitally important. The Apostle John, in, in his second letter, he wrote this. Whoever does not persevere in the doctrine of Christ has not God. There are places in, in Texas, in Houston, and I imagine in Dallas as well, where they have a building and on the outside it says church and God's not there because Christ is not preached Christ and him crucified the Lord Jesus Christ said he who loves me keeps my sayings keeps my words and if God has shed abroad in your heart by his Holy Spirit a love for Christ well then God's done something for you why is it you believe him why is it you hear him (laughs) because he's done something for you He's quickened you by His Spirit that you might believe on the Son of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's not pleased in you. He's pleased in His Son. Run to Him. He's your refuge. Be found in Him. Don't be found outside of Him. Beloved, God is pleased with the sacrifice of His Son made once and for all. For we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all, says Hebrews 10.10. This is the glorious purpose for which the Father sent him and gave him. Through the one offering of his righteous life, lived out in the body that was prepared for him in in, in the womb of a virgin, we are sanctified, made holy, made righteous. In fact, we are made to be his righteousness, the perfect righteousness of God. Now, if you uh, hang around with me for a little while, and I trust we'll get to know each other a little bit as time goes on, you'll know that I'm a sinner just like you are. I'm a sinner from the top of my head to the tip of my toe. I'm not proud of my sin. I don't want to sin. But this is the good news, that he came into the world to save sinners. A true and faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't try to save everybody. (laughs) He came to save sinners. And how rare it is to meet someone who really is a sinner. If If you come across a real sinner at God's appointed time of love, when he shows them what they are, they'll know that all they are is sin from the top of their head to the tip of their toe. It's very strange when you meet professing Christians, those who have not been taught of God as yet. We want everyone to believe, don't we? Everyone we come across. I mean, if he saved me, certainly he can save you. 
But what a thing. You ask someone, are you a sinner? Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Are you a wicked sinner? No, no, no. No, I'm not a wicked sinner. My neighbor's worse than I am. <laughs> That's not the way believers speak. In fact, I was remarking to someone not too long ago, the Lord so loves us that he shows us far more than our worst enemy could accuse us of. Our worst enemy could come up to you and point a finger at you, accusing finger, and say, you're this, you're that. But God in love has already shown us far worse things about what we are. And praise the Lord for that. Otherwise, we'd never see our desperate need to be saved by Christ alone. He puts us into the light of His perfect Son that we might see our desperate need for Him. Beloved, we are one flesh with the Son of God. And by being made one flesh with the Son of God, we are made to be the very righteousness of the doing of His flesh. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This is the message of the whole Bible. Substitution. Christ is our substitute. From, from Genesis to Revelation, it's, it, it declares Christ and Him crucified. Look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. I pray that, that as the Lord is pleased to continue to bless the work here, that the Lord will move us all to continue to pray and bless the fruit of our lips that we pray according to His holy will and uh, that I'll see more and more of Christ in places in this, this precious word that I've not seen before. But what a, what a what marvelous thing to look at, to see in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, in this one verse, sovereign grace, that salvation is of the Lord, just as Adam and Eve were clothed by God. It says here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. That little detail is everything. <laughs> I used to think that the gospel was that Christ died for everyone and he's made salvation possible now and now is conditioned upon what you do. I don't see Adam and Eve being dressed by themselves. I don't see the Lord providing an opportunity for them to, to button up a shirt or put on a jacket. And just as the Lord made Adam and Eve one with the flesh of the animal sacrifice and clothed them in it, we who believe, believe because the Lord has made us one with the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this union of not two together, but of one. It pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And when the gospel is preached supernaturally, a sinner who is filled with hate for God is made to love God. Just like that. <laughs> When God takes His holy word and blesses it with His Spirit, He gives life to His people. So that it might be said of us, what a gospel. <laughs> Sinners like you and me are made the righteousness of God in Him. This is the gospel of our salvation, to be clothed in His righteousness. Now on that day, Though I be in this body of sin and corruption and death, I find myself by God's grace walking by faith, by the life of His Spirit, and not by sight walking after the flesh. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me. I 
heard a faithful minister of the gospel one time put an emphasis on now. I love that. It's always now, isn't it? You just look at your watches now. <laughs> it says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who walk to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Beloved, that is our hope, that we will be found in that day clothed. We shall not be found naked. So I ask you, how do you want to be found on that day? Do you want to be found in the doings of your flesh? Found wanting? Found naked of anything that will commend you to God? Or do you want to be found clothed and not naked? That's how I want to be found. Clothed in the perfect righteousness of my Lord and God, Christ Jesus, my Savior. Now, as I'm going to say this, I'm I'm preaching the same message to myself. I don't want anybody to think that uh, I'm thinking I'm okay up here. I need Christ every moment. And so when I say this, this is aim right here, right right, right at this man. And uh, for those of you who believe on Christ, I trust it will speak to you as well. Stop walking by sight. Look away from your flesh and walk by faith. Look to the flesh of the Son of Man and enter into His rest. The rest that comes to those who believe that the righteousness that He established is theirs not by sight, but by the gift of faith. One flesh, beloved, we are one flesh with the Son of God. What a great mystery. That He is our glorious head and that we are His body. Flesh of His flesh and bone of His bones. Now, I don't understand it. (laughs) I don't dare explain it away. I just declare it. And by God's unmerited grace, I believe that I have been made one with the righteousness of Christ. Beloved, don't live upon what you feel. (laughs) It's so easy to start looking for feelings and any other number of things. Instead, live wholly upon Christ and what He is. God is our righteousness. The second thing we'll look at is this being made one with His redemption. Beloved, great is the mystery that through the death of Christ we are reconciled, redeemed by the blood of Christ. Through the dying of the Word made flesh, we are delivered from the power of darkness. And not only this, we are also translated into His kingdom. In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of all our sins. If I was behind this pulpit and the Lord, I don't mean any any dishonor, but if someone were to suggest that he only died for 99.9% of my sins or your sins, there'd be no gospel. Just take the time to just hear that. He, he, he died for all 
our sins. All our transgressions have been washed away by his precious blood. And from the open place in Adam's side, just as God made Eve, from the wound in Christ's side, the blood of Christ was shed and the body of Christ became his purchased possession. The biblical account of the creation of Adam's wife in the shadow and figure reveals the creation of God's dear children. God opened Adam's side and removed a rib in order to form a wife for him. In other words, Adam's bride came from his side. And in our portion, we can see that Paul compares the husband and wife relationship with our Lord Jesus and the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Once that last precious drop of blood of our Lord was shed from the wound in his side, the bride, the church, came forth. We read in the Bible that as soon as his side was pierced, blood oozed out and then water too flowed out. The last drop of blood was the seed of the new beginning. Take a look there with me at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. (coughs) And beginning at verse 24. I'll begin in verse, verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal, a life eternal. Where did Christ establish our righteousness? In his flesh as a man. This is vitally important to understand. Of course, God is holy and righteous. But for God to save us, he had to be, he had to make a provision for his people a sin atoning sacrifice. <clears throat> By establishing in the flesh of his son the righteousness of a perfect man and through his life and death he has made us the very righteousness of God in him. Take a look with me at Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Terribly sorry about my cough. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 9, where we read these words. Excuse me. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 14, (coughs) verse 13, pardon who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. My time is growing short here. You have a problem when you have a little bit too much liberty. You tend to eat into the time you have. The last thing, and, and most importantly, I want to look at is 
the oneness we have with his rest. The Lord Jesus Christ teaches us, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now to you who are still looking to your own flesh, that statement should cause you much concern and unrest. The scriptures declare, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Unawakened men still believe that there are men who can be and are inherently righteous and good, even though the scriptures declare there is none that doeth good, no, not one. If you are professed evangelical here this morning, my Lord is saying to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of Billy Graham, you shall in no wise enter into heaven. I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you. There's only one righteousness that will grant us everlasting life, and that's the righteousness of Christ. You know, a lot of people in this world are, are very religious, and they follow after a religious man. I could go down a whole litany of, of things I could say if you're a professed Muslim here this morning. I don't think there are any. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of Muhammad, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you and show you that there's only one righteousness that saves God's people, and that's the perfect righteousness of His beloved Son. Beloved, the only way which you shall enter into heaven is by the righteousness and sacrifice of the perfect man, Christ Jesus the Lord. It is by His doing and dying of His beloved Son that we are saved. And if you come to believe on Him as the one who shall not fail, to do all that the Father bids him to do in being the author and finisher of your faith, the author and finisher of your salvation, great shall be your peace. Don't, don't take your eyes off of him. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Beloved, don't look to the improvement which you have made. Don't do it. <laughs> in fact, uh, I, I trust that as the Lord causes us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find that you're not improving. Far from it. <laughs> Far from it. Rather than look to a work done in your flesh, look to the work that the Lord did in His flesh. Rest upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished, beloved. Now, by way of conclusion and application, I just want to say what a, what a beautiful reality our union with Christ is one flesh. <laughs> Great is the mystery of the union of our Lord and His people. Beloved, we are one flesh with our Lord. As our husband, what is ours is His. And if the Lord be your teacher, you know it to be true that all you have that is truly yours to give Him is your sin. That's all we have. But oh, what a husband we have. <laughs> For what is his is made to be ours beloved and if the lord be your teacher you know it to be true that all that god's people have to commend themselves to their heavenly father is what he has given us by our union with him his righteousness the glory which thou gavest me i have given them said our dear redeemer that they may be one even as we are one. O beloved great is this mystery one flesh one flesh one flesh with our Lord and Savior. 
that though we, we may not see it in our own flesh, we are commanded through the gospel and kindness of the gospel of grace of our God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, if you can, by God's grace, look to the work that God accomplished in the flesh of his Son. Beloved, he has said and accomplished by the doing and dying of our God and Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. God, give us grace to believe that. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I I trust I speak for some of you here this morning. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is the gospel of our salvation, beloved. The full forgiveness of sins. All our sins. Not to some of them. All of them. Our Lord has forgiven the iniquity of His people. He has covered all their sin in the righteousness of His beloved Son. Amen.